Welcome to Out of the Box Sunday School. I'm your host, Takia Evans. Thanks for taking the time to listen in today. Our lesson is entitled, The Lord Loves Justice. The Bible background is from Isaiah chapter 61, starting at verse 8 through chapter 62, ending at verse 12. The printed text in the lesson is Isaiah chapter 61, verses 8 through 11, chapter 62, verses 2 through 4. The prophet Isaiah articulates a message about justice from an unlikely place in the midst of Babylonian captivity. And in that place, God has seemingly for, for, uh, forsaken the people of Israel and has used a more corrupt nation to punish God's own people for their corruption. This timeless spirit and commitment to calling out injustice becomes immortalized in the words of Isaiah. So this lesson reminds us that the Lord has a special affinity for justice and God pays special attention to those who are on the underside of oppressive forces. The Lord is committed to rescuing God's people, not primarily because they are chosen, but because the Lord takes up for those who are robbed and mistreated. The Lord is a fan of the underdog and those connected to the Lord cannot remain silent when they see others victimized. Not only should the Lord's eyes see the vulnerable, so should those of us who profess to have a relationship with the Lord. If we truly love the Lord, then we should love what the Lord loves and the Lord loves justice. So whose side do we need to take today to be on the same side? Of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 59, and if we go back to our Bible um, background, which we need to go back and read in order to understand some of the things that are happening. And Isaiah chapter 59 portrays the deplorable and gloomy condition of the nation of Israel as a result of their sin and rejection of the Lord. Their relationship with God has totally collapsed because of their sin. So God has turned his back on them. They are left in utter darkness, um, figuratively speaking. And so they are left without hope of deliverance from their enemies and their enemies denied them justice. But in the midst of this gloomy situation, there comes the, uh, a ray of hope, the promise of justice, deliverance, as well as a redeemer. So then when we get down to chapters uh, 60, 61 and 62, they follow up the announcement and give an optimistic, detailed description of the coming Redeemer and his work for God's people. So our text follows the form of a Hebrew of Hebrew poetry, where the lines of verses that communicate similar ideas, but with a different tone. They have different tones in them. And so as we start with Isaiah chapter 61, verses 8 and 9, and as you know, I like to read from the uh, English contemporary version. And then also today, I may be jumping back and forth to the uh, King James version. So we'll be doing kind of a little bit of both today. Um, so in chapter 61, verse 8 through 9, I, the Lord, love justice, but I hate robbery and injustice. 
my people, I solemnly promise to reward you with an eternal agreement. Your descendants will be known in every nation. All who see them will realize that they have been blessed by the by me, the Lord. So in verse eight, the Lord declares that he loves justice. This describes God's character, describes who he is. And we all know that he is a fair and just God. Then for further clarification, the next line puts forth the Lord's hatred for robbery and wrongdoing. And so back in those times, people stole animals and then used that dishonest gain as an offering to God. So Israel's past sin and hypocrisy um, and, or hypocritical sacrifice resulted in their long captivity. And this robbery and wrongdoing also speaks to what the Babylonians did to Judah and the surrounding nations. They were taking things by violence. So rather than to blame Israel for their hypocritical sacrifices, God speaks of the wrongdoing to declare the injustice against the Babylonians. And then in the latter part of chapter eight, of verse eight, the Lord promises an eternal covenant. It says, my people, I solemnly promise to reward you with an eternal agreement. And we all know that a covenant is a legally binding agreement between two parties. But this is a divine covenant and God always takes the initiative for the benefit of his people. And then as we look at verse nine, verse nine speaks of blessings. It states your descendants will be known in every nation. All who see them will realize that they have been blessed by me, the Lord. So all of these blessings are for future generations. And because of these blessings and because of the eternal nature of their covenant with the Lord, Israel's descendants will be well known by everyone, by all nations. They will see God's blessings radiating around them. This divine promise to be a blessing among nations has been part of God's covenant with his chosen people. And, and even going all the way back to Abraham. This promise is not limited to Israel's natural descendants, but also uh, the spiritual children of Abraham, all those who believe in Christ, and yes, even the church. So verses eight and nine are not focused on the Lord's hatred, rather on the Lord's love for those who have been mistreated and who suffer from injustice. And these verses are for those who feel that God has forgotten them because it seems like evil has won for the day. So to the forgotten people, the Lord loves writes this love letter regarding justice or about justice to them and shares how he, he will settle the accounts because his covenant is everlasting and his blessings can relocate them from a place of shame to a place of prominence. Now we move to the verses 10 and 11. And they read, I celebrate and shout because of my Lord. His saving power and justice are the very clothes I wear. They are more beautiful than the jewelry worn by a bride or groom. The Lord will bring about justice and praise in every nation on earth like flowers blooming in a garden. And then this is imagery that is being used here 
Um, the Lord has been the one speaking in verses eight and nine. And now the voice shifts. Um, it's not, you know, there's no consensus on who the speaker is. Um, some suggest it is Israel or that Isaiah is speaking on behalf of Israel. So, but whoever the speaker is, they're rejoicing in the relationship with Yahweh, with God, um, who will prove faithful and generous in his dealings with his people. In the King James Version, it reads, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, being joyful in the recognition of redemption that's coming soon. And this redemption is expressed metaphorically as a ceremonial attire and ornaments, as the as a wedding. And so the King James Version, version uses the words salvation and righteousness. So if we look at, go back to verse 10, that latter part, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. So we're looking at the, the play on words. Uh, the word salvation and righteousness. Salvation is referred to as the inner dress or garment, while righteousness represents the outer coat. And if we take a look at it in our modern times, we don't associate a person's dress or outer appearance with who they are on the inside. But in the time of Isaiah, the clothes really made the man. So one's outer appearance was thought to reflect one's inner being. Therefore, to be clothed in salvation and righteousness was to absorb those qualities right into yourself, right into the core of who you are. And with the imagery of this wedding, the bride and groom is not uh, it's not just an ordinary occasion that's being celebrated. The bride and the bridegroom are adorned in their best, celebrating and rejoicing. This is a symbolism of what the Lord will provide for God's people through a robe of justice. And, this, and it depicts how the Lord is going to take God's people who have been treated as insignificant. They have been stripped of their dignity. Now they're going to be enveloped in garments of rescue. Um, their very clothes will make them the witnesses to all other people that the Lord sides with and who are vulnerable and who have been exploited. And so when we look at this, we have to or we should be keen to observe the oppressed, those who need to be um who needs to be recognized that there there's some injustice in there that that injustice is happening to them and that the Lord has uh, has to clothe them in in our community and we're that we're that group we're those persons to do that. Then we step over to Isaiah chapter sixty two, verses two through four. This is the latter part of our lesson here. And when these verses, they depict how the Lord is drawn to his people in spite of their oppressed status and in spite of how the forces and power have rendered them as forsaken. So now the Lord has completely altered the situation for them. Israel will acquire a new name. And let's just remember that names are very important in Bible time. They reflect a person's fundamental character 
And when someone was renamed, it expressed a significant change of character or a calling. So the prophet is is certain that the Lord will uh, liberate in such a dynamic way that every group of people in the world will be dazzled by the Lord's commitment to justice. This is a powerful message for those who can only see destruction around them and those who struggle to see pleasantness in themselves or even in their tragic situations. The Lord wants to know that they are not forgotten and that his delight is in them. As we wrap up this lesson, there's some things that I really want to 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 bring to the forefront and for us to think about throughout, not just today, not just in the week, but for the rest of our lives and and the change that we can make here on the side of justice, because we know from the lesson that uh, the Lord loves justice. Often, it is easy to become cynical when we look at the affairs of the world. We see the news every day. Things are kind of either changing or not changing. Uh, Sometimes it seems hard to absorb or observe the progress that has been made without becoming discouraged uh, by looking at how far we have to go. We have to remember that we are not called to solve all the problems that face our community and our world. We are called to fall in love with justice like God has. By falling in love with justice, we are to keep an eye on the big picture while focusing our other eye on ways that we can remind individuals and communities that they are not forsaken by God. We may may not be able to change all of the educational inequality, but we can mentor one student who, who feels forgotten. We may not be able to undo mass incarceration, but we can vote and rally around people who prioritize prison divestment and critical rethinking of incarceration. We may may not be able to transform uh, corrupt capitalism, but we can be fair to those we employ and be generous to servers. We may not be able to transform the perception of racism in the United States, but we can prevent ourselves from internalizing toxic images. There are many that may be living in displacement and that can make one feel naked, but God clothes his people with luxurious garments of justice and salvation. So we still have this open question. Whose side do we need to take today to be on the same side as the Lord? Let's think about it. I ask that you be blessed and thanks for tuning in to Out of the Box Sunday. Talk to you next week. 